Labor Day is defined as a public holiday celebrated on the first Monday in September. I know other countries celebrate it as well, but it started out as an American thing. I find it kind of ironic since the U.S. has the most absurd maternity leave policies of any developed country, and because of our obsession with consumerism, many people still have to work on Labor Day. But anyway, it honors the American labor movement and the contributions that workers have made to the strength, prosperity, and laws and well-being of the country. I think it's a worthwhile holiday to recognize. So today is the Monday of the long weekend known as Labor Day weekend, and it's also considered the unofficial end of summer in the United States. I don't agree with that. Summer officially ends when summer ends, not after Labor Day. But anyway, with employment being such an issue for individuals with autism, specifically the lack of employment opportunities, I thought this might be a good day to focus on this topic and describe a special project the Autism Science Foundation is involved in around this topic. So there are several metrics out there about the percentage of individuals with autism who are employed. The number varies based on whether the job is paid or unpaid, their level of intellectual ability, their desire to have a job, and their verbal ability. It ranges from 12% to 40%, but at that high end, 40% employment is still 60% unemployment, and that number is just too high. According to the National Indicators Report from Drexel University, those with no or mild intellectual disability are more likely to seek employment and be employed. However, around 75% of individuals still had no employment or day program to keep them busy during the day. Even those with intellectual disability want to work and they can work, and there are ways that they can be helped to both get a job and keep that job. There are many models of employment that you've probably heard about. They're divided into two categories. One is those in community-based settings, and the other is those in facility-based settings. Community-based work is work that's done in the community, and it can be done with or without supports. It's done for pay. It's done in settings that people have with and without disabilities. So this could be working at GameStop. This could be working at the grocery store. This could be working as a computer programmer. So on the other hand, facility-based job services is provided in a setting where the majority of people have a disability and receive continuous work-job-related supports and supervision. Facility-based work services are also referred to as sheltered work, work activity services, or extended employment programs. And these are things like different work activities set up in community centers where people with autism specifically work together to do specific tasks. So keeping these things in mind and knowing that a lot of work has already been done in determining percent of individuals employed, how, where, and who those people are by a group at Drexel University led by Paul Shattuck and Ann Rue, the group at ASF is working to dig a little deeper, so to speak, and get the opinions and thoughts of people on the spectrum, their family members, service providers, and yes, employers, on what they see as being important in the employment experience also how it contributes to their enjoyment of life and their feeling of fulfillment, and what helps them succeed in being employed or keeping employees, and what determines success. So as I'm trying to say in so many different ways, probably backwards, is one of the reasons why employment is so important is not that it just helps people earn money, it helps them be independent, it helps them live on their own, and also it makes them feel like productive members of society. 
And this goes into how employment fits in with the overall quality of life of someone with autism. So measuring if someone is employed and noting how they're employed and how long they've been employed is great, but what it does to make people fulfilled, happy, valued is also important too. As I mentioned, this will be included in the survey we're going to send out next week. I want everyone to fill it out. If you're a person with autism, if you are a parent of a person with autism, if you're a service provider, and most importantly, if you're an employer. It's important not just to think about employment, but quality of life. So how does one measure quality of life? Going into this, I thought for sure there would be a really good way to measure this and include it on the survey. But there wasn't a real consensus across different studies on what measures had been used or how it should be quantified. So we asked about quality of life in a lot of different ways that wasn't standardized and probably hadn't been used elsewhere. Imagine my selfish relief when I found that another group of scientists led by Jeremy Parr in the UK went through the studies of quality of life systematically and came to the same conclusion. All of these measurements that had been used were good, but they just weren't complete. These measures of quality of life haven't really been tested in people with autism. And when they are, they're mostly used in people with autism with no intellectual disability. I want to clarify, there's no shade here whatsoever on the people that wrote these instruments or who had conducted the studies on people with autism. I'm glad they did. This is important information to know. No shade whatsoever. So to those 14 scientists whose studies were included in this analysis, it is all good. The same issue comes up when you look at measures of anxiety. Rarely there's been a measure that's been validated in people with autism. So this is not an issue that's unique to quality of life. And it's important that outcome measures for people with autism be further developed, refined. And I'm so thankful to investigators and researchers who are doing this. They don't just affect services. Drug trials are being stalled because of the lack of proper outcome measures. So anyway, why am I talking about all this in the podcast? The authors of this study noted that it would actually be helpful for those with autism to help define what quality of life is. And this is relevant to a New York Times report I'll link to you in this podcast. The story highlighted a mom through many years of fighting to get services in an IEP plan for their son. He, she wanted to get the appropriate services. And she wanted him to be able to then articulate his needs and wants for the future. So guess what happened when he turned 21 and got out of high school? He was able to actually say what he wanted to do, how long he wanted to do it, what skills he wanted, and where he wanted to live. Now, I wonder if he would have been able to say all these things and come up with his own plan without all these years of services that his mother fought for. But in any event... After he graduated from high school, he said he wanted to work on a farm. He told his parents and social worker what he wanted for his life and that he was able to do things his mother even never imagined him doing. This was his quality of life in his own words and things that need to be incorporated into any quality of life measure moving forward for people with autism. In any event, there's lots of measures out there. They need to be studied in people with autism. But I will say that employment is always part of these quality of life measures. So this is a huge issue and something that ASF is going to address in a new project. First, we've collaborated with Stony Brook University in Long Island, 
Curtin University in Australia and the Karolinska Institute in Sweden to do a scoping review of articles on employment that we will publish. Second, we've written a survey together that will be circulated in Sweden, Australia, and the United States. If the results are different across countries, why? What is happening in one country that should be happening in another country? What can the U.S. learn? And finally, in each country, we're meeting with people with autism to get their opinions about employment, what it means for them, what would make it just a little bit easier to get and maintain employment, and how can we better study it scientifically to determine what works and what doesn't work, and what employers are doing and what they should be doing. I'm very proud that the meeting in the U.S. will be led by a self-advocate, but there has been work done in the U.S. already around getting information about employment. So we're also inviting representatives or organizations that have done that work, like Autism Speaks, the Autism Society of America, and GRASP here in New York. So when you get a request to fill out the survey, please fill it out. It's not just important for you, it's important for all the people that are going to be seeking employment, even those who are very, very young. We want them to get the best services they can, and we want policies to reflect the needs of families, employers, and individuals on the spectrum. Thank you so much. Talk to you next week.